0: Hello, this is the audio version of our ultimate guide to posture, Posture 101. And if you're listening to this on iTunes and you want to see any of the images or videos that we have beautifully demonstrated, myself and Johnny doing all these silly demonstrations of exercises and stretches, then you can check out propanefitness.com forward slash posture to check them out as a reference guide and try them yourself. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. So, we've been busy working on some potty seeds and some other cool stuff for you recently, but we are back here with a propane original. As always, if you want to see us cover a specific topic, then give us a shout. This week, I am covering the what, why, and how of improving your posture. I've come a long way myself in undoing the embarrassing, grungy teenage habits that I used to have. As a general rule, there's more to be learned from people who have previously struggled with the trait that you are looking to develop, as opposed to those who naturally display the skill. Improvement takes time, but if you identify your sticking points, you will lubricate the process. So posture, the what? Posture is simply the position of your spine and limbs when standing or sitting. It is also aptly defined as approach or attitude, and this is interesting given the two-way influence of posture on our psychology. A good stance and posture reflect a proper state of mind. That's a quote by Marihi Ushiba. I've probably butchered that name. From a side view, the spine follows an S-curve. The S comprises of the natural curvatures of the spine's subsections. Cervical lordosis, so that's the extended, anteriorly convex shape. Thoracic kyphosis, that's the flexed, concave shape. Lumbar lordosis and sacral kyphosis. Abnormal length tension relationships between antagonistic muscles in the body will affect the resting position of that joint, and ultimately your resting spinal position. While they say curves are beautiful, there is no perfect posture. Improving yours isn't necessarily about straightening the spine. These curves are crucial to its stability and function. Returning to neutral, for you, could be about regaining some of the natural curves, while in someone else, it could be about reducing an excessive curve, like slouching or having an ape bum. The muscles that contribute to posture and stability are pretty numerous, and there's a big table on the article that you can check out. These muscles are generally designed to provide stability rather than powerful contraction, but they are capable of generating stiffness when challenged. People with chronic back pain exhibit funny activation patterns, maybe aberrant or delayed activation, or hypersensitivity to pain, where stimuli to spinal positional receptors are interpreted by the nervous system as pain, even in the absence of tissue damage. This neuropathic element is partly what makes chronic back pain so chronic. Here is a picture of guy wires. That's the same as the kind of thing when you set up a tent and you hook those wires into the floor. They are designed to reinforce a pole or a mast's stability. The spine is much the same. Antagonistic muscles pull on opposing sides of the spine to stabilise it. Hence, anything that loosens one guy wire and tightens the other such as being asymmetrically weak or having big boobs or walking around in anterior pelvic tilt, so sticking your bum out, will destabilise the spine, wasting precious degenerative capacity and predispose you to back pain. McGill says that a fishing rod placed upright with the butt on the ground is a good model of the spine. When a compressive load is applied downwards, it buckles quickly. If you attach guy wires at different levels and different directions, and pulling each wire to the same tension, you'll ensure stability even with massive compressive loads. The guy wires don't need to have high tension forces, but they have to be of equal magnitude. and This is the role of the musculature in ensuring sufficient spine stability. Every guy wire and every muscle plays a role. So that is like your abs and your lower back, or each side of your obliques for example. The idea of the spine having a finite degenerative capacity comes from Dr. Stuart McGill, who claims that our spines have a fixed number of flexion cycles available in their lifetime before herniating a disc. So we shouldn't be wasting capacity on poor movement choices. He also posits that when we lift weights, we can end up functionally repurposing some of the deep lumbar erectors, which are postural, oxidative and slow twitch fibres into fast twitch power generating fibres. As a result, those muscles lose their endurance and spine-stabilizing role in favor of strength. They fatigue more easily during general activities, again, wasting spinal capacity and predisposing us to injury. This is one reason why strength alone isn't actually protective against back pain. Control of posture. So posture is subject to vestibular, emotional, visual, cortical, somatic, and mechanical control. Like breathing... It's one of these funny body processes that can be either autonomic or voluntary, influenced by your balance, level of stress, mood, neurochemical state, muscular tightness, trigger points, threat perception, and even your self-belief. And that is just when standing at rest. Functional postures, sprinting, lifting stances, and posture under load are wrapped up in another layer of complexity, but let's reserve that for coaching an athlete's technique. It's never simple with the body, is it? There's always flipping happens. Like last time I sat down and thought, hey, hunger would be a good topic to write about. Surely that can't be too complex. I could bash it out in an afternoon. Before you know it, you're 20 feet down this physiology rabbit hole in a fetal position surrounded by textbooks singing to yourself about neuropeptides. I'm setting the scene here because the classical mechanisms don't always give us the full box of tools to play with. The holistic perspective tips the scales in our favour to be able to make a change. Why? So, we are up to speed on what posture is and what modulates it, which is basically everything. Most of the factors below are a chicken-egg scenario, i.e. pain affects posture just as much as posture affects pain, which is kind of an advantage considering a slumped posture is associated with being tired, old, depressed, contracted and shallow breathing. But the opposite is true. So by changing your physical position, you open up the possibility of being more youthful, happy, expansive, energetic and with deeper breaths. So the first benefit, aesthetics. We often talk about not becoming that guy, the bore that goes out for meals with friends and spends half the time tracking his macros and worrying about the accuracy of the menu or talking about his deadlifts rep scheme. Instead, we want you to be the enigma, the guy who is effortlessly in shape when people can't reconcile the pizza slice in your hand with your visible biceps vein. And there is no quicker way to stamp meathead on your forehead than to have the bench press ape posture or imaginary lats syndrome. Conversely, if you can restore the length tension relationships between your chest and your back, then you'll have a tall and relaxed resting posture that displays your physique most symmetrically. Plus, there's no need to force it. Better to have an effortless natural posture than to constantly fight against your tight pecs to puff your chest out. Ironically, with good posture, you will actually look wider than Captain Invisible Lat Syndrome. Next benefit is pain. Not so much benefit, but uh, why not to? the association between joint posture and pain and overuse injuries is more clear-cut for feet, hips and shoulders. Back pain, on the other hand, is a huge and messy topic and doesn't seem to follow the same rules, so I'll be covering that in more depth later this year. It used to be commonly believed that bad posture is the cause of back pain, whereas the emerging picture is actually that posture seems to be the effect of back pain. The body is adaptive, so much so that When you're pain free, high level performance is possible, even in spite of clinically abnormal postures. Saying that, we are not invincible, and it would be prudent not to take the piss with our spines. Assuming that our spines can only handle a certain amount of wear and tear in our lives, it would be best served by saving that for lifting. So unloaded postures, sitting and standing. When you're sitting, Change in posture appears to be more important than sitting in a specific way. Vary your posture from time to time. The ideal sitting posture is a variable one, says McGill. Prolonged sitting, standing, with the spine in end range flexion or extension probably isn't the best idea. The idea that sitting is the new smoking is mostly scaremongering from a posture or a pain perspective. So, check out our Greg Lehman podcast for more on this. Now for loaded postures and lifting. Similarly, we don't want to load the spine at end range flexion or extension. We need to stick to lumbar neutral for any heavy loading. Maintain intra-abdominal pressure in all directions when you're lifting. To get a feel for this, try wearing a weightlifting belt and breathe into your obliques. So pushing out against it in 360 degrees. Many make the mistake of just pushing their belly out to the front. Also, never vacuum your abs under load. That's when you suck your belly in. Your colon doesn't do such a good job of stabilising your spine. Mechanically, you can deadlift more weight with a rounded back. And there is even some argument to doing so. But this requires an immense level of technical proficiency and spinal proprioception. So on balance, this is not recommended and it is best served as a choice for the competitive lifter to weigh up. The majority of your deadlifting should be done in a textbook neutral posture. In fact, not even just the majority, all of your deadlifting should be done like that, unless you're really willing to take that risk. More importantly, the spine must not move under load. The highest risk of disc herniation is where the spinal position buckles during a max deadlift, for example. Finally, since posture is tied in with flexibility, say that you lack range of motion in your shoulders in a squat, this will manifest by compensation in the next joint down, and then the next, all the way down the kinetic chain, and it will alter your lifting mechanics, and usually not in a good way. Your posture is then directly limiting your ability to lift with correct technique, and possibly putting you at risk of injury. <coughs> But, how do you find lumbar neutral? So, there are a couple of cues in the video in the article, propanefitness.com forward slash posture. The major mistake when squatting is to overextend the lumbar spine, sticking your ass out. To correct for this, without trying to float your pelvis about and try and guess your lumbar neutral, simply squeeze the glutes when standing at lockout. Neutral spine. But Yusuf, I spied you doing Jefferson curls the other week. Yep, you got me. Jefferson curls are a little controversial, but they are not done as a heavy loading movement. They are more to re-establish spinal proprioception and lubricate the vertebrae to articulate more smoothly. I've used the word lubricate twice in this article. Hmm. I've been using this as a rehab movement to stop the whole lumbar section from wanting to move in one clumsy block. Okay, next benefit. Hormones. Question mark. You may have seen that the TED talk about power posing can boost your testosterone-cortisol ratio and the effects of posture on hormonal markers of confidence. Unfortunately, the study had been replicated and failed to reach statistical significance. Maybe a bit of statistical massaging going on there. However, just because we weren't able to find a significant physiological marker doesn't mean that the whole thing is bulk. Bunk. Remember, The goal isn't to change our hormones for the sake of changing our hormones. The point of measuring these markers is to find a proxy for how posture makes us feel. So let's go straight to the horse's mouth and look at measures of mood. So testosterone ratios aside, this is pretty cool. Researchers found that how students rated themselves depended on the posture that they kept when they wrote the positive or negative traits. Those who were in the upright position believed the positive traits and the negative traits they wrote down while in the slouched position weren't convinced of their positive or negative traits they trusted their own thoughts whether those thoughts were positive or negative on the other hand when students sat in a powerless position they didn't trust anything they wrote down whether it was positive or negative however those in the upright position likely had an easier time thinking of empowering positive traits about themselves to write down, while those in the slouched over position probably had an easier time recalling hopeless, helpless, powerless, and negative feelings, according to Eric Pepe, the professor of psychology at San Francisco State University. In a series of experiments, Pepe found that sitting in a collapsed helpless position makes it easier for negative thoughts and memories to appear while sitting in an upright position makes it easier to have empowering thoughts and memories. So it appears that posture impacts our readiness to think and accept negative thoughts. It's a two-way relationship. Emotional stimuli can impact our posture and vice versa as well. Adopting this upright seated posture in the face of stress can maintain self-esteem, reduce negative mood and increase positive mood compared to a slumped posture. Sitting upright may be a simple behavioural strategy to reduce stress. That's from Nair and Sagar. The same effect seems to exist in those with depressive symptoms. The body-mind interaction stuff is a really interesting world. And for more, check out our interviews with Kit Lochlin and Robin Ramage. Links in the article. Breathing, the next one. So as expected, slumped sitting restricts your ability to breathe deeply. I presented a module on breathing in our VIP client group recently, and another one of those surely can't be too complicated topics. For brevity, remember that we have parasympathetic stretch receptors in the base of the lungs. So deep belly breathing directly increases vagal tone, which reduces your heart rate and stress. Shallow chest breathing does the opposite and puts you in a low level state of stress. Adopting a default posture that lends itself to deep breathing, therefore reduces that friction of having to constantly remind yourself to breathe
1: deeply. Hello, Johnny here. Just a short interruption to this episode. I know what you're thinking. This show was brought to you by none of that, trust me. We have something completely free, something to give you today. So we're aware that You guys who've been listening to our podcast, you've heard before us talk about the show notes and other places to go to download things from propanefitness.com, but we want to give those of you who listen to our podcast something completely different, something completely unique that we don't provide anywhere else. So we want to give you something that is actually a membership area or a membership portal where we have loads of free goodies, some downloads, some things to watch, some trainings, and some free presentations that we want to give you all bundled together, completely free, All you have to do is go to propanefitness.com forward slash gift. There's no email opt-in. There's no enter your email and receive this. It's completely obligation-free. You just enter your email, enter your username rather, and your password, and then you'll be sent login details. So completely free. In there, we have some training on the 3i formula. That's the framework that we use with all of our coaching students and loads of other free goodies. So that's propanefitness.com forward slash gift. Head over there now pick up your free training and we hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode we'll speak soon.
0: Next benefit, performance. Your spine is the axis of force transfer between your appendicular structures, except your willy. So the best athletes are the ones that can coordinate movement explosively around their spines. As a lifter and likely someone that sits at a desk a lot, the odds are that you spend a lot of time slouching with tight hip flexors, pecs and biceps. Feeling fueling the fire of kyphosis, lordosis and medial humeral rotation. Don't we all know that feeling? The spine and intervertebral discs are also structurally more stable in the neutral range, as opposed to the end range. By regaining balance and control of your spine and restoring those length tension relationships, we open capacity for more sporting performance. You can then express that strength that you've worked hard to build through more efficient, coordinated movements. Right, so that is the why. By this point, hopefully you are convinced of the benefits of improving your posture. Pain, injury, performance, mood, people's perception of you, your perception of yourself, and your readiness to believe your own thoughts. So here is how you can get started. First of all, can you even change your posture? Well, first of all, we need to eliminate any obvious causes, such as Excessive pressing or pulling ratio or pressing to pulling ratio of volume in your training program. Silly shoes, bad habits, poorly adjusted desk or chair. Once those low-hanging fruit are out of the way, then we can look at correction. Poor results are observed from stretching and strengthening alone without your conscious input to repattern the posture. Now, mechanisms are not clear-cut, but here is what I believe is happening. So stretching... We have a new range of motion that we've created that is then frequently accessed if it's done consciously and then we can remap the somatosensory cortex which is our sense of what body positions are now safely accessible that then integrates as our new sense of our body's limits strengthening exercises so even non-specific ones give the athlete confidence in those new positions even if strengthening is not accompanied by an improvement in dysfunctional movement. So improvements in pain can occur without improvement in dysfunctional mechanics, and there's four references that you can check out as well if you're a nerd. Now with the newfound confidence and expanded sense of what is safe, a safe range of motion or a safe position, the body can settle into that new position if we are willing to consciously develop it. The relationship doesn't seem to hold as well for the transfer to functional and dynamic postures and requires sport-specific training. So, warning, prepare for your mind to be blown. To improve your technique, you need to practice your technique. With that said, we sometimes structurally need fixing too. If your pecs are chronically tight or short, you're only going to be able to hold your, back, your shoulders back for about 30 seconds before your upper back is exhausted no matter how strong your upper back is. Are you really going to be able to build up your endurance from 30 seconds up to 24 hours? Probably not. Correlational studies have failed to detect a significant association between muscle strength and scapular position, but found a significant relationship between muscle length and scapular position. Prospective intervention studies have shown that stretching the anterior chest muscles on its own or in combination with strengthening the scapula retractors, can alter the position of the scapula at rest in individuals with with abducted scapula. A review of the literature has found a lack of reliable, valid data collected in controlled settings to support the contention that exercise will correct existing postural deviations. Likewise, objective data to indicate that exercise will lead to postural deviations are lacking. So there's two conflicting bits of evidence there. And I think the missing link is the conscious input. Propane athlete Al asks the following. What are your thoughts on exercises and treatment for desk worker kyphosis? Lately, I've noticed a lot of neck pain, pre-headache feeling, when front squatting and split squatting as my upper thoracic and back fatigue, shoulders roll forwards, thoracic spine curves forwards, putting pressure on my thoracic spine and my neck. Case in point. So remember what I said about lacking range of motion causing a cascade of compensation down that kinetic chain in a movement. Well, whether or not you use those proprietary fancy screening tools, the general principle is this. Number 1, <clears throat> pick the elements of your posture which you aim to fix. Number 2, determine the muscles that are tight and what are they at what are their antagonists. Number 3, identify a the new desired pattern. B, a cue to start doing that desired pattern. And C, an action reminder to trigger you to restore the pattern when you slip into old habits. Step three, step four rather. Get to work stretching the tight muscles, strengthening the antagonists, and consciously accessing and inhabiting that new range of motion. This is your new home. Some ideas to play with below but this doesn't need to be complicated. With the correct assessment and knowing a muscle's origin, insertion, and action, you can devise your own routine and tweak it by tuning in to what is tight on the day. So, tight muscles, static stretching. Explore and feel your limits, breathing into the space created, and consciously relax into and inhabit that space. Rather than angrily holding a stretch for time, it is much better and much more effective to sit in the stretch for 21 breaths. That way you're not tensing up and staring at the clock. Also with your tight muscles, we want to mobilize the joint, get on top of our soft tissue work and do some dynamic stretching. For the antagonists, activation work and strengthening. New pattern, conscious control. Give yourself an action reminder and some visualization and also build in some proprioceptive feedback, such as paying somebody to hit you with a stick. Now, here is a worked example for hunchback posture to put this all together. Step one, assessment. So take photographs from the front and from the side. Say that you identify the most common postural defect in lifters, kyphosis and medial humeral rotation. So hunched back and rounded shoulders. Often this is accompanied by lordosis, the spine is trying to maintain an S-shape so you aren't falling forwards. Assess the major functional patterns in the sequence, such as wall slide, shoulder internal and external rotation, flexion and extension. Stretching is both diagnostic and therapeutic. Based on our assessment, we identify pec minor, biceps and lats to be the tightest. Since lordosis may be contributing, or sometimes even the cause, consider the hips too. Tight iliopsoas and lower back weak and lazy glutes and abs. Right, so onto fixing that. So number one, stretch the tight muscles. Select a static stretch for each muscle group, such as biceps, tabletop stretch or variant, pec minor, you can do your door stretch, partner crossbow stretch, and the floor pec stretch. All of these are pictured and videotaped in the article. Videotaped, very old school. Lats, so passive hangs, and the ming chu bow stretch. Perform the stretches post-workout twice a week for 21 deep breaths. The more that you can open and release into the stretch, the better. Floor positions are better where the limb is supported. This minimizes the apprehension reflex. The apprehension reflex can be felt very strongly, for example, if you were to try and slip into splits from standing. Imagine the sense of fear that kicks in and how your adductors tense up. We want to avoid that happening. Step three include warm-up and soft tissue work, thoracic extensions on a foam roller. Lying on a foam roller long ways as well can also be effective to reverse some of the cathodic patterns. Then we want to activate and strengthen the weak muscles. So abs and glutes. When you're standing around, consciously engage when standing. You're not crushing a pineapple, just 10-20% to 20% to pull you out of a resting duck butt and into lumbar neutral. Warm-ups. So bird dogs, glute bridge variations can all be part of your warm-up. Make sure to keep your pelvis tucked and in posterior tilt. Next we have rhomboids, trapezius and teres minor, so the upper back. Strengthen them with face pulls. Next, we can do straight arm scapular depressions. These can be done on a pull-down machine or hanging from a bar. And wall slides, as well as active and passive hangs. We can do dip plus, again, video in the article, and band pull-aparts. With an underhand grip, actively externally rotate at peak contraction for band pull-aparts. All pictured there. And you can do the superman drill as well. Final step, conscious repatterning. So these are the action reminders. Pick a tactile cue that works best for you. Be careful with the cue. Don't just think chest out, for example, because if you're lacking range in your shoulders and thorax, then this is just going to come from your lumbar spine, causing you to simply drill more lordosis. A better cue would be to imagine that you're being suspended by your crown from a string. The Alexander technique is big on dynamic imagery imagery with postural cues, such as Imagine that the shoulders are spreading wide apart, the hands and arms falling like heavy rain. These cues cause you to stack the vertebra and to straighten out, rather than pull a single structure out of line. Tactile cues. Sellotape. So you can do some sellotape across the upper back in a cross pattern. That's a classic Soviet-style reminder. A more subtle reminder would be to wear a ring, or a watch, or a bracelet, and adopt your cue every time you notice it. Timer, if you sit in an office for most of the day, you can set a timer or use a specific sound such as phones going off nearby to perform Brugger's maneuver or to break up the pattern of extended sitting. So there is the worked example for kyphosis. Some of the other common mistakes and stretches to play with are as follows. So more fun stuff to play with, Test-retest is an important principle with any of this, so remember to observe, feel, and photograph your posture before and after the movements, and then adopt what works. Number one, be aware of text neck during the day, or perhaps Instagram neck, Tinder neck, Candy Crush neck, whatever you want to call it. This is the perfect opportunity to use an action reminder whenever you pick up your phone to suspend from the crown rather than curl up into this horrible ball. There's a series of examples of shoulder stretches that we offer only to our VIP clients, but we've given you that for free in this article. Check it out on propanfitness.com forward slash posture. There's also some pec stretches you can check out too. Next, there is the partner crossbow stretch. This is a very complete upper body stretch and you must try it if if you can convince a partner to help you. There's also the Eric Goodman foundation training to help you use your posterior chain. Finally, John Rusin's thoracic mobilizations for tight pecs. You can do them for 10 to 15 reps per side with very deliberate form. Partner hip flexor stretch, another delightfully nasty one from Kit Lachlan. The scalene stretch, these are little bastards on me. There are little muscles in your neck that attach to the top two ribs. They're supposed to be accessory breathing muscles, but when we're stressed and hunched over, they can take over a function that they're not designed for making them tight and gnarly. So there's a stretch on how to lengthen those in the article. There's also the Ming-Chu trapezius stretch too. Piriformis, another hip muscle that gets tight when sitting and squatting. With all of these, perform them twice a week for 21 breaths. Keep it simple and you're more likely to stick to it. No unnecessary tension. The above is a principle that we discuss at length in the interviews with Kit Lachlan, We're looking to develop the ideal positions with as little tension as needed, which can only be done once we have that range of motion easily accessible to us. Fine. So we're almost done. What about systems like Pilates, Alexander Technique, and things like that? Well, the data suggests that Pilates reduces back pain. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. So, conflicting data once again. What's likely happening here? is that we all have different patterns, and so applying the same approach to everybody is going to have mixed success. Pilates is also a primarily strengthening protocol, which as we've seen, is only a third of the component in improving posture. That's like only having a protein target with zero attention to carbs and fat. You might get leaner, but you also might not. Likewise, the Alexander technique is fantastic for cueing and repatterning, but we have to be able to access that new range of motion first. So we have all these tools at our disposal, and it's important that we can attack posture on many fronts. The tools of stretching, soft tissue work, strengthening and cueing are all there, so why not use them? Finally, any modality is only as good as its teacher. To ensure the most success, you need individual assessment from a perceptive coach. Right, this article is pretty long, I'm exhausted, you're exhausted, let's call it a day. You know the what, the why, and the how of posture, and now you have an effective framework to start fixing yourself. Using the core principles above, explore the stretches, the mobilizations, and cues for yourself. Develop some action reminders and a stretching schedule, and get to work to unlock a taller, happier, and niggle-free you.
1: Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Propane Fitness Podcast. Just a short reminder, if you're listening to this, driving in your car, and you're thinking, man, I really wish I had a reference that they made in minute five or 10 or whatever to that thing that they were talking about. Well, we we put together show notes for these podcasts every single week. We give you timestamps. We give you links to things we talk about. And we also give chances to grab free things, bonuses, etc. So head over to propanefitness.com and grab the show notes for this episode over there. Also, if you want to be notified of these podcasts when they come out, if you want free subscriber-only benefits, stick your email address in and grab our free downloads, one of the many free downloads. If you go to propanefitness.com and the homepage, there's a big red banner on the top of the website pick up that free ebook that free download and we'll send you emails whenever a new podcast is available just one short reminder as well as you are a podcast listener you have access to our exclusive free gift that is available nowhere else and that is at propinfitness.com forward slash gift